even if you're doing nothing, that's the motivation of it. I mean, it's hard to just do nothing, to be honest. It's almost harder to do nothing than do something. Welcome to Tearing Up My Heart, Emotional Leadership Lessons, the podcast where we explore the connection between emotions and leadership. In each episode, we will dive into a specific core emotion in an unrehearsed interview of selective high-level leaders. Join me, Jenna Heath, as we navigate the roller coaster of emotions that come with leadership and discover valuable insights that will empower you to become a more emotionally aware and impactful leader. From personal anecdotes to expert interviews, this podcast is your guide to mastering the delicate dance between the heart and the mind. Get ready to tear up old notions and pave the way for a new era of compassionate and effective leadership. Let the journey begin. All right. Well, welcome everyone to episode three of Tearing Up My Heart podcast. I am always excited about my guests and my episodes because we have just been having such great conversations with such diverse people with different leadership experiences, and today is no different. So today I'm extra excited because I actually brought on one of my fellow leadership professors. Um, Katie and I teach together at a few different universities, and it is honestly so great to have someone else who is doing something really similar to what I do to continue to like brainstorm with and run ideas off of. And, and when I'm having really bad days like I was this week to be like, friend, please validate that I'm not like losing my mind and it's going to be OK. <laughs> so I'm excited for you to share with all of our listeners about your leadership journey. But before we dive in, I just wanted to share a little bit about you. Um, I think you're truly one of the most interesting people I know, and your life story is so fascinating to me and continues to, I just feel like I learn a lot from your um, overcoming and who you are as a human. Um, I've, le I've learned so much from you. So you are a business consultant, a leadership and business professor, a fundraiser, a higher education professional. You're a mommy, a, an amazing friend, and truly just one of the brightest lights in the world. I Every time I talk to you, I feel better. Like I feel uplifted. I feel like a better person, a better teacher, a better leader. So tell us a little bit about your leadership story. How did you get to where you are? First of all, I don't know if I should have all those compliments, but thank you. I'm like, oh crap, my head's getting a bit too big for the screen, but I appreciate you having me on and all that. I'm like, I'm like I don't know about that. Um, it's been a long journey. I kind of like teased you earlier. I'm like, I've tried, I've failed. I've tried again, I've failed again. I've tried, like, I've put myself in a lot of different situations with leadership um, and really just taken the chance. I think that's the biggest thing is like, I've bet on myself, like doubled down a couple times and, you know, been able to pivot a lot. So I think that's the biggest piece of my leadership journey is, you know, if we try 99 and we get up 100, we're doing pretty dang good. But always trying to do a little bit better each time I go into a new situation or new leadership journey. For sure. I love that example of just betting on yourself. I mean, also perfect because <laughs> I'm in Vegas and I know that's obviously where we met. And I was like, that's literally like the perfect phrase. I just love that so much. So in friends, you can all follow Katie on Instagram at Dr. underscore Katie underscore K. I will also put it in the um, description of today's podcast. You can also follow her on LinkedIn. She posts a lot of great stuff. So highly suggest. 
So today we will be focusing on the emotion of discouragement, which is kind of an intense emotion, right? I feel like most people, when they even hear that word, their heart gets a little fluttery. They're like, oh God, like what? Why are we talking about that? Um, So discouragement is defined as referring to the act of causing someone to lose confidence, enthusiasm, or hope in pursuing a particular course of action or achieving a goal. It involves demotivating or dissuading someone from continuing their efforts or aspirations. That sounds kind of depressing to me. Um, So we're going to spend an entire podcast episode talking about it. Cool. (laughs) Great. We're going to be so negative. (laughs) All right. So we're just going to start easy. This is not easy at all, but we'll still start here. Can you share a personal experience of overcoming a moment of discouragement? Oh, my gosh. How many times? Holy cow. I'm trying to think of one that's like close to leadership-ish or even close to anything. Probably. This is hard. You ask hard questions. I think discouragement for me really can like, I'll put it to myself of when I get discouraged. uh, I put too much hope into something and then I'm like dashed and I'm like, dang it. But I also feel like some of my discouraging moments, like I have really overshot or like thinking like, oh, it's going to be great. It's going to be, you know, this best thing. And it doesn't like do well in my mind because we've talked about this, about like overachieving mindset and all that to where others are like, no, you're like, even you like, you know, like I've done all of that. Like, really? And so I think that's like my biggest piece of discouragement is probably like shooting for a certain goal that I thought was like totally attainable at that time and then realizing dang it I didn't really hit it um an example probably from my PhD of thinking that I could rush through it (laughs) and all of that and then COVID hitting and realizing well shoot how am I going to finish this and then just having to like restart again like on a different motive or a different way um and it actually coming out better so I think that's a great like example of being discouraged in the moment, but then being able to pivot and kind of just switch the mindset, right? Be able to say, okay, what am I learning from this? How can I be the best in this space? And then what can I do now to be able to have a good outcome? So I think that was one of my biggest discouraging moments in the past five, six years of my life, to be totally honest. Well, and I feel like what you're describing there is is high expectations, right? And I think this is yeah. actually why people are so scared to set high expectations for themselves is because they're afraid of being let down. And if you don't create high goals or high expectations of yourself, you're like never let go- let down. <laughs> but the downside is you also like never achieve anything. And I think a lot of times people don't understand that. So what would you say to someone that maybe maybe they really suffer with confidence in that area that they're like consistently setting kind of like what I would call like a low goal or like low hanging fruit. But that's like kind of how they're living their leadership life. And they're never, like you said, willing to bet on themselves and willing to like really reach for the stars, even though that's really where most greatness occurs. What do you think you would say to that person? Oh my gosh. I have a story that I've taught or told students or even people when I'm doing like leadership coaching or anything on that and it's not really like uh like oh go you can do xyz like put you know smart goals and this and that it's really to self-reflect and my biggest thing that really hit me hard one time was from a mentor 
And they said, get a picture of yourself when you were like three or four, you know, or five or whatever, whatever the youngest picture is that you can remember ish, you know, some things and stuff and just, you know, little kid mindset kind of thing. And tell that person, like, look at that picture and say, okay, what would you expect them to do? Or even like, what would you tell that person to do? Some people do it with college photos because like we're on a college campus all the time. So kind of put it on the other foot, kind of like, what would you tell someone else in your situation? Would you tell them, oh, just go for the low hanging fruit. That's all that you need to do to get by. No, you tell them, go for the best thing. And if you hit like even below that, you're going to be awesome, right? So that was one of my biggest takeaways for, you know, not, and I'll say not finding confidence, but finding or allowing yourself to try and to try at that higher level. Um, That's a huge thing is like a lot of time we think we, you know, are shooting for that goal that's really low and we hit it, but then what if you could just do 1% more, right? Or like even 0.5% more. The end of 365 days, how much more have you done? Um, like I try to work out and everything and I'm always like, okay, how much weight can I lift this time? Can I add, you know, a few more pounds or five more pounds after a year, you are doing some pretty heavy lifting or you're doing some more things. And so the same thing with goals or with trying to be better, um, try just a little bit more, but also think of that little kid mindset. Like, would you tell a small child, you know, some, oh, you don't need to learn your ABCs. You don't need to read. You don't need to do those things, right? Like you don't need to go from crawling to walking. Like those are hard things back then. So there's no reason that we can't do hard things now. It's just that we start limiting our mindset and limiting ourselves. And that's kind of like one of those things. I actually have a pic- two pictures of myself in my bathroom of my little kid time. And it helps me to be like, okay, it was a hard day, but this kid right here, she'd be so excited about what I'm doing right now. And also, I think of, okay, is this goal would my daughters or, um, you know, my mom tell me that that goal was too much or too little, things like that. Like, kind of putting it in retrospective, I went all over the place to go on that. But really, like, what would you tell others? Like, you should tell yourself that first and foremost. And then what you tell others, like, feed, you know, others that same kind of soft like we talk about filling each other's cups or filling um each other's like you know like putting air in the like your balloon and kinds of things like that there's all kinds of different um like isms that we can talk about but really filling yourself first and all that and being able to be okay with it sometimes you have to be selfish and fill your own and be able to be like no dang it I'm gonna do this sometimes people will shoot you down or be like you are crazy what are you doing doesn't matter what everybody else thinks. It merely matters on what you think. And so you got to find that self-motivation somewhere. Mm, I love that. Oh my gosh, that's so good. And it makes me think of, obviously you have, you have kiddos, um, not some not so young kiddos anymore, but you know, I always (laughs) think about the phrase that people say, like, you know, when you're being hard on yourself or being mean to yourself, like, would you say that to your child? And for a, I remember a long time in my leadership journey, I would be like, well, I don't have kids, so I have no idea what that's like. And then I had nieces and nephews. And I remember specifically my youngest niece, shout out, Abby, I love you. Um, I remember that one time she was just getting like a little bit frustrated about learning something new and she was kind of being hard on herself. And I was like, girlfriend, like you can do this. Like you are so smart and so strong and so good at everything you do. Like you can do this. 
And I remember thinking to myself, like, whoa, like how many times do I like try something new or, you know, try to hit a new PR in the gym and I like get so angry with myself and then like my self-talk starts to like flip out and it just goes into a really negative place. And ever since then, I've like, I always go back to that moment with Abby that I'm like, wow, like I would never say those things to my niece ever. Like I love her so much. I think she's so incredible. Like I would never say those things to her. And then I was like, why do I say that to myself? Like, that's awful. (laughs) Like, that just tears you down and down and down. And I think, like, to your point is, like, you can't always care about what other people around you think. But I think oftentimes we care deeply what we think. And if we're only feeding our mind negative thoughts and negative isms, as you would call them, like, it's just where we end up discouraged. And then we don't feel like we can accomplish anything we set out to do. Like, our own mental battle really is sometimes the the darkest part of our journey I find so I wanted to ask you because you you actually like started going down this road and I feel like this ties really well together (laughs) is that the idea of staying motivated and I think that Mm -hmm. when we're discouraged it is really hard to pull yourself out of those moments and to motivate yourself to keep going or to try something new and and I love what you said about just like just try Like, I think so many people are afraid of trying because they're afraid of failing. So when you're in those moments, how do we stay motivated? How do we, like, pull ourselves up and just go? Well, (laughs) that's hard because I think um, motivation and if we're talking about motivation per leadership or motivation just for self, it can look different. Motivation for work, it's totally different. Um, In a leadership journey for me, like motivation... Some people say motivation is like money or it's a commodity or it's something. For me, my motivation is really like bringing good to the world, being able to be a light. Like you said, like being able to be like positive, flip things from negative to positive. Like there's been a lot of negative things. There's a lot of negative things out in the world. You can have that tear you down so much, but being able to kind of flip that mindset and think of, um, what can I do from this? Like I said, there's been lots of things in my life that, you know, you don't share your whole backyard story and on social media or anything like that. You do share some, um, but motivation really has to come from self or even um, someone around you. And I've had a great, you know, tribe of great, like bunch of friends from, I mean, I'll just say like from middle school, my girls that are probably watching or I'm going to be sharing on this. Like we have a group of freaking I'm can I swear on this bad a women that just like totally if we're having a bad day we'll text out and it I mean these are women that I've been with since we were gosh 12 13 years old we swam together every summer we did like all kinds of stuff we're now in our 40s and all really successful and it's really that tribe like together that has helped like I could text one you know and she'll be like okay get on like we're talking about this or whatever I mean when I was commuting to Vegas I would stay with one every couple weeks I mean I saw her probably I think it was last week and we just like doubled down and I'm like oh my gosh I'm having the hardest time so really having that tribe but also being able to be okay with saying you know what I can't do this on my own because I have other friends or other people I know that maybe don't have a tribe or don't they they don't think they have people that will help them but are so self-defeating and so like in that negative mindset that you have to allow yourself to say I can't do this on my own that can be from a faith base it can be from 
you know, a friend group. It can be, I don't know, you know, good music that you're listening to, quotes. I love quotes. Quotes are everywhere around me all the time. I have a, like motivation app, stuff like that. Um, what are you following on social media? Is it negative or positive? Like there's so many things like podcasts. I love podcasts when I'm commuting or doing long work or whatever. You know, what are you listening to and bringing into your soul and into your mind kind of thing? So those are all kinds of different motivating forces. There's a lot of motivation related to like monetary. Maybe it's people need to be motivated to do something because they want to get to another, you know, area of wealth. Or maybe it's their motivation to spend more time with their family. Financial freedom, I know, is a huge thing for you and your husband. And so, you know, what was your motivation behind that? Like, was it to, you know, so there's always a motivation to do something. Um, even if you're doing nothing, that's a motivation of it. I mean, it's hard to just do nothing, to be honest. It's almost harder to do nothing than do something. Um, I know, like, you're getting to basically almost finals week on a lot of campuses or midterms. And I would always, you know, tell students, like, it's actually harder to fail than harder to pass. And that's even in life. It's harder to fail at life because you got dang hard to fail. To where there's so many people around you. There's so many cheerleaders for you that you don't even know about. You just have to be like, okay, let's put on self. Let's get one or two people that like, I can be like, can you help me with this? Can you be an accountability partner? Can you, you know, something. Most people in the world are good. If you really like, are seeking that, you'll find that. Um, I think that's our biggest motivation for people is to just be able to say, I can't, or I need help on that. And even if it's just not directly to someone else, find those different things. Like we have these cool little computers in our hand and in our pocket, you know, our cell phone, you can find something if you really need to. It's just making that little bit of effort, that 1% every single time and all that, and being really to be able to switch that negative to positive all that that's a long answer sorry but we're just vibing and i'm thinking of all these things coming in but there's a ton of different things we could do i was like oh my god don't apologize that was all like <laughs> people would pay millions of dollars for that information but i think there is one thing that really resonated with me when we were talking which is really the idea of vulnerability and i know you know anyone that knows me knows i'm obsessed with Brene brown but i feel like this is what i think about often is that when you describe your tribe right like i automatically go to this long list of like my best friends and you know again shout out to maggie one of my best friends from middle school who like she's just like my number one cheerleader in everything i do and i i'm so grateful for that but it also takes a certain level of vulnerability for me to reach out to her and be like i need help like i'm struggling like i'm not doing well and I think that something we had talked about in my last episode on the podcast was really the idea of like, you need to know your safe people, right? Like you really need to know who can you trust? Who can you lean into? And I think a lot of, especially young leaders really struggle with this where they either like don't tell anyone when they're discouraged or struggling or they tell like everyone and they overshare and that can put you in really compromising situations too. And I feel like I I kind of went from like a pendulum swinging. Like I feel like in my early days of leadership, I was like very closed off. I didn't want to tell anyone about anything. I didn't want to talk about anything. I wasn't very social. Um, I was definitely like extroverted in a party girl kind of way, but not in a like, I'm going to vulnerably let you get to know me kind of way. And then I kind of like went to the other side where I recognized I was putting myself in really challenging situations because I was oversharing information with people that transparently couldn't be trusted and I feel like it took 
some pretty hard lessons for me to find that middle ground where I was like, okay, like it's okay and it is safe for me to text Katie on a Thursday night and be like, I'm at the gym and I'm crying and I'm so upset. Like, please validate that I'm okay. <laughs> or like, you know, I, I texted my best friend Maggie on Monday and I was like, I don't feel like my episode went really well. Like, please tell me I'm doing okay. And like, I've learned, right? Like, these are my safe people. These are my safe topics with my safe people. And also like, sometimes you need time and space and you need to learn like, when you can actually start to open yourself up to others. So how did you go about like developing that or how do you encourage other people to develop that? Because I think it is a little harder for people that maybe tend towards introversion or they just don't have a big network of friends and support systems. Like how do you go about building that? Because I really do believe that leadership is built in community. And if you are a siloed, individualistic, isolated leader, you are going to struggle and probably not make it very far. Well, first of all, I'm sorry that you had to go through that because that's very hard. And that's, you know, thank you for opening that up and going through, you know, I've I've had some similar journeys where we think we overshare, but we're doing good for the community and then it kind of bites us, right? But I say on those ones, it shows more about them than you. Like you are true to yourself. You want to help community, all that. So that really shows like that's like kind of in a chess game, like, okay, I know who I can trust and not. And sometimes it hurts because you're just like, I would never do that. Like what in the world? Like I, I want to bring joy and good. And I, like, we don't understand that kind of mentality and stuff. So first of all, I'm sorry for you going through that, but also thank you for sharing that. Cause I don't think many people share it and understand that that happens. Um, the other part of being able to, you know, be able to move forward and find that and go through, I think, um, my biggest part is understanding the safety, like you said. Um, being a woman in higher ed, we've both been in higher ed, women in higher ed, it's been a, it's a hard space. Sometimes our biggest allies are do don't look like us, don't, you know, look like all of those things. So finding allies is a huge thing. Um, finding your network of individuals, like I think we probably I'm trying to think of when we actually met in Vegas and like what we were doing. And things like that. I think it was a women's leadership thing or something surrounding some common goal or like we were having fun. So I'm like, wait a minute, that person, like I could probably tap them. And so that's a big thing I was um, learned in some of my like women's leadership training. You know, shout out to my women leaders that have like fostered in growth, you know, all of those that I've been a part of um, to where we talk about tapping. And so we find people that can tap us and be like, talk about us correctly and positively in rooms that we don't even aren't even in um you're one of those huge people in my life like I'm in certain spaces of like teaching and everything because of you so thank you yes thank you but being able to say you know what I know somebody that could do that like in having that tap mentality um I think the big thing is yes like networking is huge maybe like I'm a huge sports fan so I go to a lot of games I have friends that like, they'll call me up and like, they're like, Kamashi go. Like, I go by my last name a lot. And so, because I've been around sport and like, I know I'm the go to sometimes of the plus ones or whatever. And they'll be like, Kamashi go. Like, they'll call me up and I'm like, yep, let's go. I'll be fun. So, the same kind of thing. Like, um, in leadership, we've, you know, you find your tribe, but you also, if you have a negative thing, go back to the drawing board, write down, okay, the do's and do nots, right? 
I've even um, had, so, like, I've had great leaders in my life. And so I have done like a do and do not. Like, what would I do if I was in the same position? What would I kind of not do or middle ground? So I like kept lists for myself as well as like examples. Um, my biggest takeaway, I think, within that space of that pendulum swing is being okay to be on your own two feet and knowing and recognizing your strength and not allowing others to tear that down. And that was very hard. Like you said, sometimes we have to enlist our tribe or our people and be like, tell me I'm not crazy without telling me I'm crazy, you know, like not crazy. <laughs> this is going on and being able to find that safety net. Um, I have a group of girlfriends, like when you're first starting out in leadership, I think it's important one to not overshare in your new community because you don't know, like you said, that circle of trust, you don't know yet. And some may use it against you or for you or anything like that. And that's where, you know, friends or acquaintances are important that aren't in your space um, that you can like kind of voice an echo and be like, okay, I had a hard day. This is what's going on. They're like, huh, okay, so this is probably how I would do it. Or just saying to those friends, I just need you to listen. I don't need any like validation. I don't need any like suggestions. I just need someone to listen because I've got a bitch and moan for a B&M session. We call them bitch and moan session. We go to lunch and have a B&M kind of thing. And so there's a lot of different things that you could do. Um, but it's hard too. Like it's hard to kind of get back up. And I think that's even for this podcast topic, like sometimes it's just dang hard and you're like, oh my gosh. And that's where you have to switch, you know, your mindset, maybe your position or even where you're at because you're it's just not working and things like that. So there's a lot of fun in that, but also a lot of trial and tribulation. So just figure it out. Like you'll you'll figure it out. It's okay to fail. Everybody fails. Nobody is ever perfect in leadership and never nobody is ever perfect in life or anything like that. So you're not the only one and you're not the first one. So just know that. I just okay so first of all b&m that's hilarious i've never heard that and i'm going to use that all the time now because that's the funniest thing i've ever heard um <laughs> but i think that you bring up a really valid point around i think a lot of people tend to b&m with their like close colleagues or people that they work closely with and i really genuinely see some challenges there and um just lack of experience, I think, often when that happens. And truly, I think I had to learn this lesson the hard way, like multiple times over, because I do think I'm a fairly trusting person. And, and just overall, I love people. I hate them, but I love them. <laughs> and I really had to learn that lesson that, you know, really, yes, the people that you're working closest with understand your work and understand your leadership and what you're trying to accomplish the most. But oftentimes, those are the worst people that you can um, vent to because they cannot be unbiased to the situation. And I, I actually love relationships like ours. And ironically, it's so funny because everyone I brought on the podcast, everyone's like, wow, like you have such a like dynamic group of close, close, close friendships. And I was like, oh, these people are not like my best friends. You know, I was like, but you all are people I trust and respect. And like, I know I can go to if I need people. Like, I know you're my trusted people, but you're not the people that I like. I text every day or, you know, I go vacation with every week or whatever. It's like those aren't the types of relationships. And I think mm -hmm. I bring this up because I think that a lot of people confuse who are your safe relationships, especially when you are experiencing those more challenging emotions like discouragement. And I feel mm -hmm. like it has been 
really a trial and error for me to figure out like, okay, like people that I'm interacting with on a day-to-day basis probably actually aren't the right people to be like, hey, I'm having this leadership challenge. Can you support me? Or can you give me your input? Or what would you do in this situation? But I have found that people that are in similar types of leadership roles in different organizations that really have no idea about the people I work with and the work I do, those are actually the right people because they can give me this unbiased opinion and be like, no, girl, you're not crazy. Like, that sucks. Those people are being awful. They're being crappy leaders or crappy managers. Like, you are not crazy. So I'm curious what your thoughts are because, and I think our our relationship is like the perfect epitome of that because I actually had to think about this and I was like, where did we meet? And it was, it was at a women, it was at a women's leadership event. And I remember we both kind of bonded because it was like really chaotic and it wasn't working very well. And we were like, what is going on? And I remember like deeply bonding about that and being like, this is not how things like this are supposed to operate and run. And that really bonded us. But it wasn't like either of us like threw our heart over the bar and we're like, I'm going to tell you everything there is about my life. It was like kind of slow and steady. You know, it's like we kept seeing things and seeing each other in different spaces. We got to work together on a couple projects. And then like over time, we became trusted people where, you know, I'm willing to put my name on the line to help you get jobs. (laughs) You're willing to come on my podcast with me. You know, it's like we learn like, wow, there's real trust here. And I think that in my experience, that really is only earned over time. Like you have to test people and test the relationship and see like, is this trusting? Is this not? What do you think? Do you think I'm on the right page with that? I think there's lots of like different levels of relationships. Like you said, like there's ones like they always say, like, have five of your very closest people and confidence you can have. Like, surround yourself with five great people or you're one of the five people, right? So you're, like, if you're thinking of, like, a hub area, if you're thinking, of, I'm thinking of, like, concentric circles right now, like, in my head. Like, if I had a drawing board, I'm, like, one circle, the five right there. The next one is, like, your, you know, your individual trust, like, at your organization or wherever you're at. You do have those go-tos that you're, like, oh, my gosh, on Slack, be, like, oh, my gosh, or on a text, you're, like, okay, we need to go for a walk and talk. I use, I have quite a few of those even where I'm at, even where I was with you in different spaces. Like, I need to talk through this. Like, I'm because you do need some of those at your organizations or your, you know, companies because they do understand, like, the politics or the minutia or the layers. And then you have those other ones outside of that similar situations, like, so the third spoke on the wheel or the third circle. Um, that you've met through networking or conferences or events or like previous people that you worked with at certain companies or universities for our case that you're like, okay, I know you're in a similar situation. Like, what did you guys do? Um, and then you have, you know, those outside circle, like people like that could go on forever. I mean, colleagues, I mean, we have mentored a lot of students. Some of my mentees have become my mentors, to be honest, and things like that. Um, I think you're like totally right on you don't always, you know, there are certain trusted people that you can talk with. But again, like I always go back to we spend a lot of time at work if you're in a traditional setting to where those people, yeah, you get very close to very fast. And sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes that's a bad thing. But you spend 40 plus hours with people, sometimes more awake time than with your own family or your own people, you know, outside of, like you said, like, you know, I spend certain time with certain pockets of people. Um, and so there are different circles of friends and different circles of people or trusted individuals, mentors, anything like that. 
um, that you should have. And it's hard to find when you're first starting out because you're like so excited or you're so like, oh no, you know, worried and scared and all of that. Um, but start little by little on those people. Like, you know, I think we bonded over chaos, which I think at the end they like did really, really awesome. I think it was like one of those passing things. Um, and sometimes you bond with people over chaos. Like, you know, I, there's a lot of things like during pandemic, people bonded over certain affinity types or certain things. Um, sometimes those are your strongest bonds because those are people you can go to. Um, I know for me, like I've gone to about a lot. So I'm like, okay. I'm struggling with this. I'm trying to do this and that. I mean, I went back to industry and then I went back to higher ed and you were one of the first ones. I'm like, I think I miss being in college. <laughs> so like that. And so, and you're like, yeah, it's awesome over here. What are you doing? Like, kind of thing. And yes, you can come back. You're like, what are you talk talking about? So there's a lot of cool um, things that you can take away from that. But I think the biggest thing is to know, you know, as you're leading, as you're growing, as you're going into this space, it's okay to mess up sometimes. Um, it's okay to just take a pause and all of that. Sometimes you have to withdraw to like start thinking. And that that's my style at least. Like sometimes I have to be like, okay, am I doing like these things right? Or, you know, reaching out to you be like, am I crazy or am I not crazy? <laughs> you know, what would you have done? Ask for advice a lot. There's a lot of asking advice questions for sure. So mm. just be open to a lot of the experience. Yeah. I, I love that idea of asking for advice because I think that um, I just I think people are weird sometimes, myself included. <laughs> We're all we hit... weird. It's OK. We all have a little bit of weirdo in us. It's totally fine. I don't think there's really a normal. So <laughs> Preach. So real. So real. But I think we all get to this like point in our careers where we feel like we're supposed to know more than we know. And I think truly some of the best leaders I have witnessed and, and got to learn from are the ones that are consistently like, I do not know it all. I'm still learning. I'm not an expert in everything. Like, like I'm just, I'm still on the path. I'm still on the journey. But I've thought a lot about this. And I think part of it is that I think our society does a really, really awful job about building leaders, period, <laughs> period. But I think part of that is because the societal expectations around the emotional side of leadership is kind of jacked up. Right. Like I think that we've been told for a really long time as a society that like leaders are supposed to act a certain way and dress a certain way and be a certain way. And that does not um, coordinate really to with what our world looks like right now and how leaders probably need to behave um, to be authentic and transparent and honestly just make longevity in their careers. Like I feel like if we're trying to show up as these perfect leaders all the time, that's why people get burnt out because we're not perfect. We're human <laughs> and we need to be able to express those emotions to our teams in healthy, safe ways, of course. But I've really been going back to this a lot that like how does society play in to building or breaking leaders so what are your thoughts around that? Because I feel like this is something that we talk about a lot is just like societal expectations. Mm -hmm. And I think that this is an area that maybe people aren't talking about enough. Mm -hmm. I think a big thing with societal expectations is understanding that we are in a very different society now than we have even in the last five years, in the last 10 years, in the last 15, 20. Um, understanding that those pivots and those challenges are like they're systemic and they're kind of the same like they're they come from the same areas but they look different 
for every new generation, for every new thing that we've happened in the world or in your nation or your state or your city. Um, there's constant change. And I think that's the hardest thing, to be honest, as a leader um, is to be okay, like you said, with not knowing. Be okay with saying, you know what, I don't know, but I'll find out. Um, there's a little ism or a little saying that I love my isms or sayings uh, that the more you know, the less you like, the more you learn, the less you know. And that's so true. Like, the more I learn, I'm like, I don't know. Like, you know what? I have to find somebody else. Um, there's another saying like, you should be, you know, I don't want to be the smartest in the room. If I am, I'm in the wrong room. Like, I'm not going to learn from anything like that. Um, another thing for that is understanding that as a society, we're changing, we're morphing, we're becoming more diverse, more learned in certain areas, less learned in others. We're losing, um, you know, gaps. There's going to be gaps in STEM. There's going to be gaps in healthcare. There's the boomers are starting to retire, things like that, to where we're changing in society. And I think leaders, um, good leaders, recognize that and are like, okay, I need to change with it. And maybe my leadership style needs to change. Maybe, I mean, you have how many generations in the workforce? Um, you have to really be able to do that. I mean, just think of like when. I'll say when I like, cause I'm a little older, I'm older than you. Like when I first started into the workforce, like it is a lot different even in like email or, I mean, I saw, you know, the other day I saw somebody put something on facts. I'm like, I don't think I've seen the facts for like 15 years. Like we started doing facts through email or like, you know, like even wording, like how many of us, like how many of you, uh, you know, listening, maybe not, I don't know. I remember a Rolodex. I remember Rolodex. We do not have that anymore. You know, like we've had to change in those kinds of ways. So why wouldn't we be changing as leaders? Like that's the biggest thing is why wouldn't we be changing also as leaders? Because we have to upskill all the time. Um, leadership is tiring. It is very hard. And it's okay to say that because it is changing all the time. You have new teams, you have new people, you have new expectations. Um, remember when all of us had to go on Zoom and like, or on, you know, on video feed or any of that, like that was a change. And now we're doing a podcast and we're in two different states, two different time zones. Like, you know, there's video feed, all of that. So it's always constantly changing. Um, the best leaders, like you have said, like are able to recognize that and change and morph. I think the biggest thing right now, if you were to ask me what's like a big thing for leadership right now is empathy. It's huge right now. Empathetic leaders are going to be that next phase. I feel a little bit of where we're going to have to teach and train and learn a lot more empathy for a lot more diverse workforce for a lot more situations. Um, and it's going, it's, looking different and we know that uh, another thing is choice there's a lot more choice for people globally as a workforce and things like that so that's another piece that is huge that we need to recognize is you know not like bending over backwards for everything we still have to like get process and all of those kinds of things you know and all that but recognizing those two big things um, being empathetic being or three being able to learn and pivot and being aware that there's choice on both sides of the coin now for a leader and for those that really and by the way I want to totally give you a shout out on a lot of people when they talk about leadership they say manage 
And I love that you have not said that word for the whole podcast. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's where I think we also connected. Because when we talk about leadership and all of that, we like to use like, well, it's leading. It's not managing. It's leading kind of thing. So I am so want to give you like a little shout out for that. Thank you, friend. I'm so appreciative of so much of what you just said. One, thank you for the shout out. I That is actually extremely intentional. Um, so I say this often in my classes that you manage tasks, you lead people, mm-hmm. because I think people screw that up all the time. And I'm like, people do not want to be managed. Like, I don't want you to tell me like how to do things and when to do it. Like, that's rude. Mm-hmm. I have a brain and I know how to use it. I'm actually quite intelligent. Thank you, though. <laughs> but you tasks... you're going to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Right. Yeah. Let's do an AI coming in. <laughs> that's that's a whole topic on its own. <laughs> um, but I really appreciate so much of what you just said, because one, I think one of the top topics I talk about in a lot of my classes is change. Um, so one of my favorite books of all time is Who Moved My Cheese, which is a short little book all about change. Yeah, everyone in leadership is like, yeah, great book. And everyone else is, I'm like, yeah, go read it. <laughs> um, but I think that change is so powerful. And I, I think my favorite part about what you said is when I asked that question, you didn't blame society. You weren't like, oh, yeah, like society sucks. Everything sucks. Everything's bad. You were just like, no, it's just it's changed a lot. And we're we're trying to keep up. And it's difficult because things are always changing. And I think in a really weird way, this ties back to discouragement, because I think that people get really, really discouraged when things are changing all the time. And I agree with you. I think if people feel that way, like you're probably not a good fit for leadership because leadership really is all about flexibility, adaptability and being willing to change and change consistently because there's so many things that are always changing. Um, and I think that is difficult because as humans, we love stability. So it's it's like polar opposites, right? It's like as humans, we're like, we love stability, but then the world is like, it's constantly changing yeah. and you got to roll with it. Yeah, yeah. It's, right. it's just really, really wild. Um, and of course, I love that you brought up empathy because in reality, that's actually what this entire podcast is about. It's about the emotional side of leadership. And I think that for a long time, people wanted to separate emotion from leadership, um, and you just can't because you're managing you're managing tasks who have to be done by people, and people have emotions, mm-hmm. and it has to be our job as leaders to understand how do we navigate our own emotions and how do we help other people navigate theirs. So, as we wrap up, I want to talk about probably the most difficult emotion, which is fear. <laughs> I mm-hmm love so I love and hate fear because I think that when you learn how to overcome fear there's really nothing that can hold you back period and Mm -hmm. I think that I think about this a lot with you and one of my other close friends um, who lost a partner and I I can't imagine anything worse in the world than losing someone you love whether that's your partner or a child or a family member um, I truly cannot experience I, I can't think of a worse loss and so when I think about, you know, crying a bit. I feel the tears. No, <laughs> no. I, I appreciate him preparing myself. No. <laughs> tears are OK. This is a safe place. Um, truly, though, I don't think we say that enough that like tears are OK. It's OK to cry. That's a natural human emotion and behavior. Um, but I think that, you know, when I asked this question during the first episode, and I was like, you know, if you weren't afraid of anything, what would you do? And Lisa Marie, one of my favorite humans ever, but she gave such a 
a tactile leadership answer. And so I really thought about it and I was like, if I wasn't afraid of anything, what would I do? And I was like, everything. Like I would do everything. And so I'm curious, what what is your answer? Like if you weren't afraid of anything, you had no fear, no anxiety, nothing to hold you back, what would you do? <laughs> oh my goodness. I have on that one. What I well, first of all, I wanna like give you like you like teased around a couple of things that made me think of a couple of people in my life that have been really good and instrumental and me not having fear or or being able to well, we all have fear, but being able to overcome fear. One of which was my father, and not, I'll give a shout out to him. Like he is just amazing. He was a firefighter for San Diego City. Went very high. Was second in command, <clears throat> and he taught us so much. <clears throat> I can't cry, um, and all of that of like overcoming fear. He was also my first coach. Like I was born and raised on a field or a firehouse, so a lot of times my zero to hundred mindset is you do or don't, you do or die kind of thing and so not having that fear um and or overcoming the fear very fast in certain ways my dad could not have fear leading hundreds of firemen in san diego doing certain things that are still in place in the city and nationwide and worldwide he had to lean in and like lean into his pieces that he knew and that he knew were right um and you know some of the changes in scripts. Another thing was my, you kind of hinted my late husband, he would be like, come on, you can do it. Like, come on, why not? Like, come on, you know, like kind of things like that. And being able to just overcome, like even, you know, defeat or anything like any of those pieces. Um, so I've had great mentors and men in my life to be able to do that. Also women in my life, my mom was made my sister, like all of my friends, like my daughters, I always tease them that, you're doing so good at raising mom. I have three daughters, 21, almost 22, 19, and 16. And I'm like, you have raised me so well. And I like, they start laughing and they're like, yeah, and I'm like, not really. But to be honest, if I, oh my gosh, I have tried and it's hard to not, like now in my, you know, 40s, I've tried to not have a fear based mentality because that's where your negative mindset starts happening. And so, yes, there is like, worry sometimes or like you know all of those other things but I feel that that's one of those emotions of okay why do you have fear let's get to that you know why are you fearful of you know trying something new or anything like this um why are you know what the why but if I had like if I could not fail and not have you know kind of things that's a whole different if I could not fail on anything I would like you let's try everything like what you know start from one to a thousand um, a podcast is one so that's one thing why I said yes I'll do this because I'm like this is one of those things that I'd want to try it's on my list of things to try um I want to learn it and all that so of course I'm gonna like be on so I think the biggest thing is if I couldn't fail and had no fear I would, oh my gosh, there's so many things. I mean, do you want to go to the beach in Bora Bora and see how we can actually, you know, make money teaching from the sand? That'd be awesome. But no, there's, there's really, oh my gosh, too many things. I think the biggest thing for me, um, that I'm trying is to be more present with my girls and all of that. And that's a big thing for sure. Um, be more present, be more engaged with the people around me. Um, a big piece too and it's not related to anything again my commodity is not cash it's not 
you know, that it's friendships and relationships. That's my commodity in life. And being able to recognize faster and earlier and often who's for me and who's, you know, not for not the best for me. Um, through really tough times, I have lost people that I thought have been my friends or been like confidants or anything. But I've also gained some amazing people that have come out of the woodwork. And I'm like, I had no clue that you had my back like that. Holy cow. And so I think that's an important piece too that is really um, top of mind for this topic that you kind of asked on and to end on. Uh, But I'm curious. Also, I do the same question of like, if you could not, and I do it at the beginning of semesters and especially in like an entrepreneurship class, I say, if you could not fail, what would you try in entrepreneurship? Like in really pigeonholing it into one area and some of the greatest ideas come. You could not fail if you could not have fear, if you had it, everything you had three wishes kind of thing um but my number one is for sure for my daughters my number two is my friends and family and then my number three is like what can I do in the world that brings joy and a better place and a better thing to be a part of so I think anything related to those I mean come slide in my DMs I'm open you know let me know what else we can do just kidding I'm (laughs) all that but really like anything that we can do to help um I'm here I just love to be part of anything good and going forward. So really anything, what do you have, you know, what do you have an idea of? I'm a little scared now with that one because now Jenna's going to be like, so we should do this now. Everyone knows I'm always full of the next big idea, (laughs) whether I execute it or not, different question entirely. Um, But I I just want to thank you because I think exactly what you just said, that you want to bring joy into the world. I feel like you have brought a lot of joy into my life, especially during difficult seasons. And I think um, someone had said this to me recently is that, you know, there's a lot of power in mentoring people from afar that you don't even know you're mentoring. And someone had um, sent me a really nice message about the podcast and they live on the other side of the country. I've never met this person before. I have no idea who they are. And they told me how like they learned so much from my first episode and how much that they felt like they needed to hear that. And they didn't even know they needed to hear that. And Mm -hmm. so I wanted to say thank you to you because I feel like I've watched so much of your journey of just going through losing your husband and how much I learned about valuing the people in my life and being present with people. And I'm just really grateful because you're going to make me cry now. Oh, my gosh. Um, I'm (laughs) grateful for what I learned through that. So thank you for who you are and what you teach to people. It's important. Oh, thank you. You're awesome. Like, like I promise not to cry on this podcast. No. But you've been <laughs> awesome. And you've got a great support, too, through that. And that's where I, I mean, I do anything for you. You're all like, you know that. like, And that's the thing is, like, those people that really show up in those times of need or in your low times, those are, like, first, to be honest, in leadership, those are the people you hold close. The ones that know you're going through something or hit on something or even just be like, hey, what's going on? And they haven't heard from you for a while. Those are really those people that you want to hold close to you because they'll help you through thick and thin. I mean, I have some friends that, I mean, don't get canceled on this, but I have some friends that are like, so we're doing a wine bottle or a shovel? Which one is it? You know, kind of things. And it's just kind of funny. I mean, you know, we have too many Vegas tights to have that go down. So you can edit that part out. But (laughs) it's just funny to know, you know, who has your back at the best times and the worst times. Are we celebrating or, you know, am I bringing the tissues, the hog and like the ice cream? What are we needing to do? And so. Um, you're one of those genuine people and I appreciate you as well. So thank you. Thank you. 
Well, thank you again for being with us. I so appreciate you. And I am looking forward to see what we're going to accomplish on the sands of Bora Bora. Thank you for joining us today on Tearing Up My Heart Emotional Leadership Lessons Podcast. I hope you learned so much and are ready to tear up old notions and get started on your leadership journey. Make sure to follow us at Jay Heath Moreno, and I hope you'll join us next time.